today's conversation can probably best be described as a mutual therapy session between two creators. It's an interview with my friend Emily Rose, who is actually a creator who started out on TikTok around the same time as I did, so late 2021, a little over a year ago, and she now has 285,000 followers on TikTok talking about all things pop culture and just zeitgeist things. And she is so discerning, sharp, critical, and funny. There are lots of people who talk about pop culture on TikTok, but Emily Rose is just a really thoughtful person. She's so intelligent and she's also such a kind, compassionate human being, which I have found out throughout the course of our interactions because we've become friends. And so this whole conversation, probably more than any other that I've had so far on this podcast, is a little bit like you are a fly on the wall listening in or eavesdropping on a private conversation between two friends. It's goofy, it's funny, we have some laughs, we talk about some of the more surprising or sometimes frustrating elements of being a creator. And we also touch on things like pop culture and validating women's hobbies. But really the through line of this conversation is what has been our experience becoming creators on TikTok. She's just such a lovely human being. I'm excited for you guys to listen in on this conversation. I hope you enjoy it and definitely go give Emily a follow. Her handle is It's Become a Whole Thing on TikTok and on Instagram, and that's also the name of her podcast. So she actually had me on her podcast a while ago, and she's just been so consistent this year. So I also admire her consistency with her podcast because obviously I'm a lot more new to this whole thing. Without further ado, I will let you guys tune into this conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. I am here with my friend, Emily Rose, who I'm so excited to bring on the podcast today because she's an incredible content creator. She's on TikTok. She has hundreds of thousands of followers. And I just love talking to her about sort of the behind the scenes of the process of starting and growing and all the different things that you don't expect about being a creator. So I'm really excited to dive into that with a fellow creator today. Emily, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So lovely to be here. I'm excited to chat just off mic before this. I'm excited that you basically just sorted out my whole life for me. So (laughs) (laughs) we're off to a great start. (laughs) Maybe I should start adding that as a pre-recording service. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, it's interesting how helpful it is to put our heads together and commiserate. It's food for my soul because we are in these very interesting positions as creators. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's take it back to when you first got started as a creator. What did that look like for you? What inspired you to start creating content? And just take us back to those early days. Early days. Yeah. A whole year and a little bit ago, you know, like not even that long ago, but so much has happened in that time. And even before I got my start, I had this memory that came back to me this week of how basically for years and years before I was ever posting content, I had this running gag with my friends where I would start talking like a YouTube beauty influencer, like just unprompted, like anytime we'd be like doing an activity or getting ready, I'd be like, hey guys, I'm finally ready to talk about my favorite under eye primer, hit that notification bell. And like (laughs) my friends were all used to it. And it was just funny to me. And so then when I actually started posting, I think it weirdly helped me to already just be natural on camera because I was so used to talking like <laughs> like some type of YouTuber. So yeah, that was beforehand. But the actual way that I got started was just, it kind of felt like I was being pigeonholed into just a really tough spot in my life where everything felt like it was just not working out. I had moved. I wasn't happy with my job. I had lost a parent and I was just dealing with that. And also 
this had all happened during COVID. So it just makes it extra spicy, extra challenging. And so posting and uh, worrying about being cringed, it wasn't even a consideration. Because when everything is that bleak, I guess, to be honest, it's like worrying about some troll online and their thoughts about me just felt irrelevant. So it was like, let's just create this new outlet for my thoughts. When did you start posting? And did that evolve in the beginning? What or when? What? Oh, um, I started with the Kardashians, but it turned into just various thoughts about celebrities. I've always been pop culture obsessed, and I've always been obsessed with a lot of different topics. Like, um, I love history. I love economics. I would say equally as much as pop culture, but I'm too thin-skinned to deal with political rhetoric online. Hats off to the people who can. But pop culture is something that I feel comfortable talking about online because it just feels like low stakes. You know, it just feels like if people agree or disagree, it's not like a life or death matters. So yeah, I started talking about celebrity topics and then I accidentally became celebrity PR couple girl because I just thought we were all looking at photos and being like, oh, this was like a little fun setup that they did to promote their movie, pretending like they're having a little super aesthetic picnic in the park. People are like, wait, what? <laughs> so it spiraled and now I just... I have some structured content and sometimes just open up the camera and just share whatever little thought I had upon falling asleep the night before. And yeah, I love it. Well, let's start with what you've enjoyed the most about being a creator. This moment right here, not to be cheesy, but I can't help it. It's the people. It's the people that I've met. And like every time I talk to you, I come away just feeling like, so much more clear on my thoughts and just like inspired to keep going, you know, because it is a very bizarre thing to be perceived by so many eyes. It's not really natural, I think, <laughs> to the human human condition, human mind. But you know all those videos where it's like exposing what influencers are like in real life and they're always nightmares? <laughs> I think the common denominator with those is they tend to be sort of 19 to 22 year old fashion cliques, like circles. Yeah, I have no doubt that there's a lot of nightmarish <laughs> egos and personalities in those circles. We're not in that world. Yeah. You know, we're fully formed adults. We're all making, I like to think more intellectual content. And everyone has been above and beyond what I could have imagined as people. Yeah. That's so funny that you point that out because I have felt the same where every creator I've met, I've just been blown away by how friendly and welcoming people are. More established creators have been really willing to give advice. I have these moments with creators like you that just make me feel like I'm not alone, like we're going through similar things. And it's just been so nice in these days because I worked in tech for a good number of years and I still am kind of tech adjacent. There was a time when I would you know, be meeting a lot of founders and investors. And now when they try to meet me, I'm kind of like, ignore, I just want to meet creators. I only have bandwidth and energy for creators <laughs> right now. That's like, especially what I call smart girl talk, which is like the side of TikTok where it's just women analyzing things in a smart, interesting, entertaining way. Like that is my jam. So I totally agree. It's really about the people. It's such a pleasant surprise. 
Yeah, especially because I think also people think like TikTok is accessible and it can be, but you can also start to form a community that is kind of what you want to make it, right? The community is a byproduct of you and your essence and your content. And also like we do have the common denominator of like, we're very curious about the world, even though we're in different fields, you know, we're curious about how the world works. We want to pull back the curtain. It makes sense, I guess, when I think about it, that we would get along, you know? Yeah. Do you have hobbies or interests or passions? well before becoming a creator that kind of indicated that this is what you would eventually do? Okay, so it's funny you ask about hobbies because the way that I would define my hobbies are, I think, maybe not how a lot of people would. So for me, watching TV is a hobby and it's a valid one. And part of my whole soapbox rant, my little mission, it's a very small thing, but it's important to me, which is just validating the activities that women enjoy. Or, you know, the girls, gays, and theys. That's (laughs) 95% of my audience. For me, I do have other hobbies. I like hiking. I like cooking. I like embroidery, you know. But I love reality TV. And I have since it first began. Like, my family and I would watch the earliest reality shows together. And we just did throughout my time growing up. So it was a very formative thing for me. And it's as legitimate to me as loving sports or loving video games, but it's completely invalidated by society. Whereas people that do spend their time on sports and video games, predominantly men, it's like that is a valid pastime. And it is. But I want people to just know that they are valid if they want to spend their time consuming other forms of entertainment. Why do you think we belittle women's hobbies and pastimes like that? Oh, it's the same reason like we bully them for liking a certain drink or liking a certain color, liking a certain type of music. You know, you compare even pop music to indie music. Sad man with guitar, acceptable. Uh, <laughs> girl, woman singing about a difficult time, but it's to a dance beat, not acceptable or like, you know, superficial. And so it's just it's this chipping away at women and it, it affects everyone. Like it affects men too, like being boxed in, but I'm more focused on our side of things. And if there's anything that people could step away from my content feeling, it's that however they want to pass their time, if it's not harming anyone, it is completely valid. And that is a hobby. I love that. I don't consume a lot of TikTok content, so I don't see anyone's videos much, especially these days, including yours. But I remember when I saw it, it was funny, it was entertaining, but I follow you on Instagram. So I see your Instagram stories. I see everyone's Instagram stories because I freaking love Instagram stories. And when I first started seeing your Instagram stories, and sometimes when you would do Q&As, I was just so struck by how empathetic and compassionate and eloquent you were. And I was just like, wow, I really want to be friends with her. I'm like gassing you up right now, but I really mean it. I was like, this is really cool. I love the way her mind works. And she seems like a really heartfelt person. Do you feel like you can bring that full dimensional self out on these different platforms? How do you show up on different platforms? Wow. Well, just first of all, as someone who has words of affirmation is one of my love languages, I'm just thriving (laughs) right now. (laughs) Love to hear it. Thank you. The bizarre thing about TikTok is that I feel like it is my full 100% self that shows up there. I don't even understand quite how that works, but it's the biggest compliment that I could ever get about my page is people that have known me for a long time or people who've met me in person. They're like, yeah, you're exactly the same. And I'm like, yes, I love that. (laughs) And like, not that that has to be the case for every creator, but for me, I don't know. That's just something that is important to my brand on that platform. 
and that's also why I was drawn to posting on it in the first place was because I like that it's a little it's a little messy it's a little unhinged like that is how I live my life so I really do love that and I I try to carry it over on Instagram sometimes even just the thought that I'm on a platform where things are a little glossier it starts to make me feel a little less than and like I should be improving things and how do I make photos nice even people aren't even really thinking about that stuff so much anymore but yeah TikTok it really is me I don't know me and that app for some reason I get it we have this understanding that makes sense I love that because I actually feel kind of the reverse. I love TikTok and everything it's given me, but I feel like I've created this tiny little box for myself on TikTok where I was telling you earlier, I feel like I'm a business automaton that just dispenses strategy and analysis. And I love that. Obviously, I love that. If I didn't, I wouldn't do it, but it's one part of me. And I feel like on Instagram, I can be more parts of me and I can be a little unhinged. And my close friends is an absolute shit show. And a lot of people tell me like your close friends is like a lot. And I'm like, yes, I know. And that's how I like it because I need that outlet to just be my full self. And I don't know how the podcast is going to turn out. I think it's maybe going to be a combination. I'm not sure yet. I'm still really just getting into the groove. But I feel like for different creators, it's really different. Sometimes I'm even like, I'm bad at visual content. I'm bad at video content. I'm good at talking. I'm good at writing. Those are the things I know how to do. And I'm just not one of those girlies who knows how to like perfectly swipe on lip gloss and has like very kempt brows. And every time I see one of my videos, I'm like, what are my brows doing? And I just feel like for some people, it just comes so effortlessly, you know, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it, it yeah, it, to a certain extent something works because it works you know and 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 that's a good it's a good thing if Instagram works for you and obviously TikTok works for you too I think you know for me I think for some whatever reason there seems to be a positive correlation between the more I look like shit the more viral my videos tend to go and I'm like (laughs) you guys love this don't you when I'm like really just needed to get a thought out and I've been gardening so my face has dirt on it and it's beet red um (laughs) that's okay that's the one that's gonna take off um so yeah there's that but I think I spent a lot of my 20s almost making it this personality trait of like not caring about appearances and showing up just dressed like shit and I didn't even remotely even know how to put makeup on if I tried but I didn't care and I didn't care about like brushing my hair like really just basic things like that it was like I don't know some sort of like pick me girl <laughs> about appearances and now in my 30s, it's taken a total turn where I'm trying to become more superficial all the time. So I'm I'm getting <laughs> interested in hair care. I'm like trying to learn how to put makeup on. I'm trying to learn how to dress. Like I'm really putting an effort now. It suddenly has become interesting to me. But there's still, I guess, this remaining part of me. I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of teenage rebellion that's lingered where I'm like, I'm fighting the man by like <laughs> showing up like this. What do you think is creating that shift now? Why do you think you're interested now? Oh, it happened during the pandemic because I just spent time like looking in the mirror and being like, why don't I just decorate this whole situation that I've got going on? Like I have nothing else to do. All those skincare routines. I was always like, how is there time? And I'm like, well, I have time. I have time now. I am experiencing this now and I feel pretty confident in myself and I don't feel like my self-worth is too attached to my looks, especially anymore. But I cannot imagine what it would be like to be a teenager and even go viral for being like an attractive girl and then completely 
have the entire world validate you just for how you look all the time. That must destroy your sense of reality and like self. That seems like a nightmare. Back to your point about like influencers who are famous at 19. Yeah. Or even like influencers that are older than that, but they've just achieved a certain level of fame that people get jealous. And there really do, there are people that just kind of come out of the woodwork. I've seen multiple videos um, from creators like that who have this like massive platform and they're like, someone made a video about how I don't look the same in person and commenting on their weight and stuff. And I'm like, that is, that's horrific. Mm -hmm. That's a nightmare for anyone, no matter how much they say they don't care about that stuff. Like everyone, everyone cares. Everyone wants to be uh, perceived positively to various extents. But yeah, I think I, part of why I think, um, I like being on part of why I like being on TikTok. I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but I, I've always gone into it in anthropologist mode. I've always gone into it just observing from this removed perspective and the Gen Z kids, they have this streak of like radically not caring or like being wild, being like, unhinged and like putting it all out there and not being reserved at all like in professional settings with each other like protesting I really like get inspired by that I'm like yeah we have so many millennial hang-ups about being all buttoned up for the camera and you guys have just bypassed that you know that's so true and because I think about a lot of things through the lens of how do we talk about women professionally and and in the world of business I actually kind of map that same template or trend, if you will, onto the girl boss era and then the post girl boss era, where now I feel like we're in, like there are some sides to TikTok and also kind of just general cultural trends in the zeitgeist, I feel like that are like, this is such a weird word to say, but it's it's what they call it, like pro like bimbo, like very, you know what I mean? Yes, like very yes. anti girl boss or like girl moss, like I want to lie in moss and not do anything or that there's, this <laughs> that was my favorite. I perceive it as not an isolated thing in a vacuum, but as like an intense backlash to just what the millennial era was, which was just so minimalistic and polished and all these things that were disappointing because ultimately the problems cannot be solved by like wearing a pantsuit. They're very deeply embedded, you know, patriarchal systems that are also economic and whatnot. And I see some of the like more, especially when it comes to even the rise, like the comeback of Paris Hilton, I see as being kind of related to that because it's just so refreshing to be like, she's a girl boss who's not trying to be a girl boss. She's just being Paris. How do you think yeah. about that? Does, does that actually align with anything that you've observed or do you disagree? Well, so basically the main central theme on my podcast and to a lesser extent, my TikTok is really just healing the ways that growing up in the 2000s damaged us all in various ways. And like, I see us revisiting those times with a new lens as being something that's very both entertaining and kind of healing. So like Paris Hilton, like that's exactly what I'm going for is just we brought Paris Hilton back into the spotlight with a completely different analysis. So it's like she's gone from just, oh, she's entertaining because she's so dumb and vapid to like, oh, she has this great glossy aesthetic and she went through major trauma and let's all chat about it. And also let's talk about her business skills, all these things. That's what we're able to do now as a society. It's very exciting to me. I feel like we're experiencing this reevaluation of all these women. We, in often very misogynistic ways, completely dismissed. I was even thinking about that in the context of Monica Lewinsky. And just when you revisit everything that happened from the lens of now, a young 20 something year old woman basically being like groomed by this married older man 
ensnared into this dynamic and then the whole world demonizing her and like all the trauma that 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 caused and hearing her talk about it now it seems kind of like we've made a lot of progress because I don't think that that's the way we would regard that entire situation now but I don't know maybe that's overly optimistic but I feel like that's also part of it is just reassessing and revisiting all these infamous or famous female figures and applying a slightly more enlightened lens to evaluating them. Yeah, yeah. We have a long ways to go in many ways. I recently saw a clip of Punked and Ashton Kutcher uh, was about to punk Hillary Duff and he like, we're all counting down till the day she's 18. And like, just that was her intro that he gave her. And that was totally accepted. No one would bat an eyelash. Are there other soapboxes that you have where you're like, I want to talk about this more or I do talk about this more because I feel like it's really important and I feel like it's a somewhat contrarian take? I think my themes that I always revisit, so there's like the, your hobbies are valid, especially looking at you ladies. And then there's the, we can revisit history and see what we can learn, like pop culture history. And then just talking about the mediocrity of men that we celebrate, (laughs) (laughs) which I don't think is all that contrarian. I'm like, not, (laughs) it's not groundbreaking. That, That might also be part of like the echo chamber that we're in because I sometimes unfortunately venture out into places where, for example, on Twitter, the recent Andrew Tate stuff, it was so dismaying to see the widespread support that he has and the adulation that he inspires among all these young men. It was so incredibly disappointing, but it was also very much a relief to see a lot of prominent men in tech or in the business world be like, this guy is trash. But it just makes me feel like there are like different internets, you know? Oh, there's such different internets. And part of my approach to social media is I do try to create an echo chamber, honestly, because I just <laughs> I can't handle too much outside of that. And I do appreciate people respectfully bringing other takes to me. But that whole like red pill Andrew Tate, even after him being arrested for human trafficking, they're like, that's what the mainstream media wants you to see. Like I did actually foray last night into right wing Twitter somehow. I was just like, I just want to see what's going on. And I had such a pit in my stomach over it. So yeah, I don't know. I guess a less extreme example of that sort of thinking is to me the hot button topic of Meghan Markle and like why she's even a hot button topic to begin with. And Can you talk about that because I am still confused. I watched the docu series on Netflix, but haven't consumed a lot of content, so I just don't understand what the division is, but can you get me up to speed on that and share your thoughts with me? Maybe this is my contrarian take because I don't know. I've done a lot of research on her and I've tried to figure out what the hatred is about. Obviously, there's the racism component. So people are just like, oh, there's something about her. (laughs) I don't know what it is. There's just something about her. So then there's them defying convention. So she is this mixed race woman who's come in and now they've broken protocol. And, you know, I don't know, half my family's British. I'm not so tapped into British culture, but I think there are these elements of this is how we do it because this is how we've always done it. So there's breaking out of that. That's rubbed people the wrong way. But the absolute vitriol towards her, people like in print media fantasizing about sexual violence towards her, Pierce Morgan and all that, I think that just comes from this is the standard that we have set where women have to be excellent. And if they rub you the wrong way, they are the devil, basically. Meanwhile, in the same family, you have Prince Andrew just living his best life. Oh, his allowance was cut off, but he's gotten millions of dollars a year as an allowance. He'll be just fine. 
He faced no legal consequences for his actions. People are like, nothing was ever proven. I'm like, what? They paid a huge settlement? Like, okay, sure. Nothing besides all the photos we've all seen and the settlement money. Like, none of that rubs people the wrong way as much as them finding Megan, quote, annoying and attention seeking versus a pedophile. Okay, I'm glad you're saying all this because for the life of me, I could not understand. I was actually doing research. I'm pretty sure I even Googled a few weeks ago, why do people hate Meghan Markle so much? (laughs) (laughs) Did not yield conclusive evidence or explanations. I don't know. Whatever is going on with that is a puzzle. It is. And the puzzle, like, to me, all roads go back to like hating women. One of the reasons why I like pop culture is I kind of feel like it's a proxy onto which people really project their beliefs about like politics and gender and and everything, but they get to like impose it on these people of the moment. And they just bring out people's real takes on, on bigger issues. And it's like, okay, you're allowed to find her annoying. Sure. Why do you care though? And I'm saying this as someone who spends hours on commentary on celebrities. Okay, I'm just going to give you an example. Megan Trainer. I don't, she is not my cup of tea. There's nothing she's done. I just like, I don't like particularly her music, the vibe. I find it, whatever. It's like, it's a little irksome to me. I don't give it any more thought than that. Like a video will come out and I'll be like, mm, okay, like keep scrolling. I'm not like burning with rage thinking about <laughs> Megan Trainer. Like, I don't care, you know? <laughs> with Megan Mark, yeah, she's not super funny. She's a little buttoned up. Okay, she's like a hot woman. Like she just hasn't had to like develop a stand-up comedy routine along with her philanthropy. I was even scared to talk about her for a while because I was like, oh, she's such a controversial topic. Like people get so fired up. And I was like, the type of people that are fired up and will not let it go or see another side of things, I'm not super interested in reaching. I feel the same way. What you said about pop culture being this way that we project things onto certain figures, right? I see Kim Kardashian as being this Rorschach test where you kind of just see whatever you want to see. Some people are like, oh, she's horrible for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I think there are very valid criticisms of her and the family. But also I think some of the criticism skews towards misogyny in a way that's so blatant. And that's where it almost makes me just spitefully want to defend her sometimes because I'm like, that argument doesn't even make sense. There are very valid critiques of her, but that is not one of them. And I think that she is this person who has just become this canvas onto which people project all sorts of things. And it really fascinates me. How do you find that people react to her when you talk about her. She's one of my my topics of interest. A lot of roads lead back to the Kardashians. <laughs> but like my take on her and any celebrity is like they are only rich and famous because we've made them that way. Because we're having these conversations, because we can't look away for better or for worse, lover or hater, you are still giving her the attention that's keeping her in the spotlight. So maybe just think about what that says about you because if we didn't give her the time of day she would just be some random stylist in beverly hills people are spending so much time dissecting her and it's like okay but at least spend some of that time thinking about how and why we've created this beast that's interesting because my inflection point of going viral for the first time was talking about the kardashian brands so very similar to you and i got a lot of comments that bifurcated into two categories one would be like i love the kardashians they're great and then there was another camp that was like you're being too much of a fan. They're horrible. And just people either telling me I was being too negative about them or too positive about them, sometimes in the very same video. And I was just not 
including any of my personal opinions because like my page happens to be more about business but it was really interesting how even me conducting analysis about their business strategy would get the same sort of oh you're being such a fangirl or you're being a hater basically Yeah, people's lack of critical thinking skills is terrifying sometimes. I had a video on Miley Cyrus go viral recently, and I said almost nothing. I said, do you remember the year where she dressed like an adult baby? Because I remember that time, and I just wanted to show some photos from it. Like, she did that for about a year, and it was weird, whatever. The conversations that came from that, the massive arguments about fetishes and like CP and all these things and people being like you need to step in you haven't commented and I'm like work it out for yourselves you guys are hearing what you want to hear because I didn't say any of that <laughs> when people start duking it out in the comments what do you do one time I made the very dire mistake of comparing Hailey Bieber's brand to Selena Gomez's brand and as you can imagine all the stands from both sides <laughs> were just duking it out in the comments you're like I'm not a pop culture head like I was just thinking of business like you were <laughs> literally and people were coming at me and I was like I'm so sorry I didn't know these things (laughs) oh my god that's so funny it's like you're like innocent with pop culture like you stepped into a landmine like (laughs) and people were just like getting so personal with each other I felt like a kindergarten teacher trying to get control over this rowdy classroom where everybody was puking and screaming and crying and I was like what do I do so in those moments what do you do yeah I mean it really stresses me out And I spent a lot of time in the beginning thinking of how to manage it. But at this point, I stay pretty hands off. I try to just let people work it out. Like if I see outright bigotry, I try to like block those people. But I've tried not reading the comments as much. And it's to the detriment of my content because I'm not as connected to people and I would like to be. That's just how I've had to do it. There is a small, very sick part of me that's like, well, better engagement for the video. And also happy that they're not mad at me. They're just mad at each other. There's this element where I post a video and then I check back in the 20 minutes hour that follows to see if I've made some huge mistake that everyone's mad at me now about that is always in the back of my head and if I post and then I somehow lose wi-fi or like can't check my phone I'm so anxious because I'm like they'll let me know right away if I've upset whoever so I need to know that (laughs) that moment can be so scary when it starts to take on a life of its own get out of control it's mostly negative or you end up on the wrong side of tiktok and it can be so nerve wracking. But then it's hard to predict, right? It's really, really hard to predict. Like one time I made a video that to me seemed really innocuous about Rihanna potentially becoming a billionaire. And I got into anti-capitalist TikTok. People were trashing me, making videos. It was a shit show. And it's really hard to predict that kind of thing. It's impossible to predict. It's impossible to predict. And then they'll let you know in like the most condescending way ever over the most innocent mistake. Like, tell me, you know, nothing about this without telling me. It's like, (laughs) shut, shut up. Like, (laughs) it's so annoying to then deal with. Like, sorry, I said the wrong name of the song. Yeah, I'm fairly liberal with blocking if I need to. I feel like my videos and my comments are my little space that I've created for other people. And you can't just come in there with your dirty shoes and shit all over the living room floor and then leave like you just can't do that and I won't let you create that energy for other people so I'm like very okay with blocking people yeah when I'm in the comment section I'm very liberal about blocking and I also give myself about once a month where I could just retaliate and say what I'm thinking and be like no <laughs> okay, that's not have, like, a quota. 
know if I have to limit it because it sometimes it's just good to get out of my system to be like, that's not what I meant at all. You have no idea what you're talking about. But if I go to like, <laughs> no, you're dumb. Like, <laughs> like I just like need to be petty. <laughs> but then if I take it further than that, then they start arguing that if I'm going back and forth, that's when it feels unconstructive. It's like not healthy. So I'll give myself those little outlets here and there and then be like, no more. One response max every now and again. And then that's it. That's healthy. I think I've become more like that. But in the beginning, I would clap back and I was like, wait, there's a little dissonance here because I have this very professional page, but I'm just like being so defiant in the comments. Do you have a type of criticism that affects you disproportionately? That's such a good question. Because for some reason for me, it's like when people comment on my voice, like the way that I talk or filler words or like the way that I laugh, I've gotten that more on the podcast. Yeah. And that, I don't know what it is. It goes right to my system. Like my feelings are hurt. It's weird, but then they'll be tearing apart my ideas and somehow I'm less affected. That's so unnecessary and rude and also because you have the most soothing voice and you're so eloquent so that doesn't make any sense but yeah I mean I feel like people are just like that I don't get a lot of personal stuff for the most part maybe it's just the nature of my content everybody who would want to troll maybe they just like get bored 10 seconds in and they're like she's talking about I'm totally mean just don't stay long enough too many SAT words I'm out I get defensive on behalf of some of the people that I talk about, or I feel indignant about something that they say about somebody else. So one time I posted something about Hailey Bieber's brand, and I think it was actually a positive video, but there were all these people who were very anti-Hailey. People were saying such horrible misogynistic things about her. And I was, that made me upset because if you say anything really like awful or like violent about other women, I feel like I take it personally. It just makes me sad. And then I have to pull myself out of that. I think for me, one of the most helpful things about how to contextualize the trolls is I think about in real life how people interact with me and no one speaks to me that way in real life. I actually go through this little process in my head where I'm like, I don't say this out loud, but I'm like, well, you're kind of a little bitch because you're hiding behind your keyboard. (laughs) And as much as I would say I'm a fairly nice, fairly chilled out person, I'm also not afraid of confrontation if I feel it's justified. So I'm like, say it to my face. <laughs> like, It's sort of empowering for me to be like, how would this interaction go in real life? I would be able to hold my ground. I mean, that's for managing the criticism. But for content, I think that the the thing that kind of helps me to keep going with the whole just realm of creativity and content is trying to think as little as possible about what people would like, what people mm-hmm. would like to see. I think that getting too involved with trends and with thinking about, oh, people really like this video, so I'm not super interested in it, but I'll make a whole series about this. It works to an extent, but it's kind of a dead-end road, and the way for me to go is to just try to block that out and think about, like, what did I just go into like a 2 a.m. rabbit hole reading articles about. That's Mm -hmm. the type of stuff that I prefer to make content about because I'm like, that's what's really truly exciting to me. Can I just tell you, this is so therapeutic and helpful for me to hear because I am the opposite where I really get obsessive about what do people want? What does the algorithm want? To the point where what I actually want to create is like not a priority. So I, I really love that. And it's giving me a little more courage to just follow my curiosity and post about that and trust that people will like my mind. 
Oh, I mean, you're coming from this business background, like you're an expert on the metrics and the data and that has so many advantages. And I think there are times to be engaged with that stuff. But I think in terms of just like keeping creativity going, throwing all metrics out the door and like putting that close friends energy forward with no regard for like what statistically has worked in the past, I think is a great exercise. I'm obsessed with that idea of bringing forth that close friends energy to everything. That's going to be my 2023 mantra. Yes. And I just have to add that like every conversation that I have with you is somewhat therapeutic. You have your own little bits of wisdom that you're sprinkling like throughout what you have to say. (laughs) It takes me out of my own thoughts. Like I'm just here in my little hidey hole, just, just trying to work through this bizarre world. Yeah. It's always like refreshing to hear your perspective. That's so sweet. I feel like we have this funny very unique friendship where, first of all, we haven't met in person yet, but we've had several conversations. And whenever we talk, we kind of have this like mutual therapy session and then we kind yeah. of separate and then we come back again when we need it. And then we're like, yeah. And it's not intended to be that. I would be horrified if I'm like, hey, I need to trauma dump on you. But it like turns out that way. I don't know. It is wonderful. And yeah, very unexpected. It's important to be able to laugh about some of the stuff because otherwise it gets so serious. You know, like before we started recording, we were like, okay, strategy, pivoting, brand deals, partnerships it gets kind of serious. So it's important to also be like, it's all kind of ridiculous what we're doing. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It's just for lols. Yeah, it really is. Well, Emily, it's always obviously so great to have you. This was probably the most I've laughed in any interview I've done even before. Thank you for making me feel like I can bring my close friends energy to this podcast. <laughs> same, same to me. Dolly, you're the best. This was Aww. so lovely. Thanks for so having good. me. Of course. Also, where can people find you? I forget to say the normal podcast stuff. Oh, yeah. All the podcast stuff. It's become a whole thing on everything. TikTok, Instagram, it's become a whole thing. Sometimes people put it's becoming a whole thing. I already have a long enough handle. That's what my podcast is also called. And it's about pop culture and zeitgeist topics. So actually, fun fact, met Dalma because I liked your business content. And I was like, hey, do you want to come on and talk about businessy stuff on my little pop culture pod? And yeah, I will link to those in the show notes, as they say. So definitely guys go check that out. But again, Emily, this is so great. And I'm sure in a few months we will reconvene. Actually, wait, you're going to be in LA, right? And I might yes. see you. Yes, we're going to see. Yes. We're do that. And our therapy session is going to be uh, in person over. Yes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, thanks, Thomas. Right. Thank you. Bye.